0: cartel life. She's been in it all of her life. Her family's involved with the cartel. She's cartel royalty. El Chapo was convicted in the U.S. two years ago. Lots of people busy with fix-up. Home Depot fourth quarter sales ahead 25 percent.
1: This is CBS News. Switch to T-Mobile for business and get an amazing deal on your business plan. Stop in store today for details. Terms and conditions apply. See T-Mobile.com for more.
2: It's totally
0: normal to be constipated with belly pain straining and bloating again and again.
1: No way. You could have a chronic condition called Irritable Bowel Syndrome with Constipation, or IBSC. Linzess, or Linacletide, is a prescription that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives to help relieve belly pain and let you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side. Of Effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor today. You may be able to save on Linzess and make fewer trips to the pharmacy. See if you're eligible to pay as little as $30 for 90 days. Visit Linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. Aussies are getting Facebook back. Canada, Britain and some European countries blasted Facebook last week for banning Australian news media from posting stories. The shutdown in retaliation over a move to force the tech giant to compensate news outlets for content. But after five days of negotiations... Facebook has refriended Australia. Government official Josh Frydenberg, who says there's a new deal which could set the standard for other countries when dealing with Facebook. Scott Mayman for CBS News, Brisbane. Australia.
0: The most skilled physician in Springfield is getting a new voice.
1: You should be grateful to live in a country where childhood diseases have been practically...
0: Harry <laughs> Shearer, who's been playing The Simpsons, Dr. Hibbert, since 1990, is stepping aside. So an actor of color can replace him. Dr. Hibbert is black, Shearer's is white. He will continue to voice Ned Flanders and Principal Skinner. Last year, Hank Azaria announced he'd stop voicing an Indian
1: character. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. What's the most important factor for determining a coin's value? Rarity. And now, the COVID-19 pandemic has resulted in the creation of a modern rarity. When the West Point Mint was shut down due to health concerns, 240,000 emergency production 2020 American Eagle Silver Dollars were minted in Philadelphia for 13 days only. And that makes these coins with the P-Mint attribution the second rarest coin in the entire American Eagle Bullion Coin Series. Less than 1,500 of these extraordinary Silver Dollar coins remain. Hurry, call government.com. At To learn more about these emergency production American Eagle Silver Dollar coins, call 1-800-969-0689. Call now and you'll receive a free American Coin Collector's Bonus Package, a $10 value free with every order. Call 1-800-969-0689 now to secure your Philadelphia Mint American Eagle Silver Dollar coins before they sell out. That's 1-800-969-0689.
0: These days we're all doing a lot more virtually, which is why at Ohio Health, we've expanded our virtual care options and availability to make it even easier to get safe expert care at home. That includes virtual visits with over a thousand trusted providers in every medical specialty. Learn more about our virtual health options at ohiohealth.com slash virtual health. Century National Bank, we believe strong communities are built with local volunteers, donations, and leadership. Last year, we supported 301 local organizations and donated more than $393,000 to our local communities. Our bankers care about helping our entire community thrive and prosper. Century National Bank is committed to investing money locally and doing everything in our power to support the people and groups in our neighborhoods. Century National Bank, Division of the Park National Bank. Member FDIC, CenturyNationalBank.com. Hi, I'm Kim. And this is Ruth. Please join us every Wednesday morning on 970-WATH to make it happen. It's the Kim and Ruth Show.
2: Well, it's not the Kim and Ruth Show. show. It's really...
0: Tune in to Make It Happen with Kim and Ruth every Wednesday morning at 10.06. And we'll spend time talking about health and wellness topics and all aspects of healthy living. But we know that you're the real expert in your health, so let us help you make it happen. Wednesday morning on 970 WATH to make it happen. Hi, folks. Bruce <laughs> Randell right with right now Auto Group. I'll tell you right now, February is the best time to buy that new car. So don't throw in the towel just because you haven't found your special vehicle yet. Stop by at Auto Group in New Lexington. Once you prowl through our lot, that scowl will come off your face. You won't be growling about our prices either. At Ride Now Auto Group, you'll find vehicles from Chrysler, Ford, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. We can match anyone's price on new vehicles, experience a hassle-free environment while working with our friendly staff. Our sales team will work to find you the vehicle you want, and our finance department will work to get you a great deal. Call 740-342-5146 for your VIP appointment today. Visit us this weekend in New
1: Lex, or see all the cars at rightnowauto.com. This is Bruce Ridenour with Rightnow Auto Group. We want you to ride in our cars. Hi, it's Randy and Boots from the Auto Smarts Radio Network. And why should you listen to our show on this station? But Boots is a man of many talents and has knowledge you won't believe. Just listen. Hey, Boots, what's your favorite thing to talk about? Cars. Rick Kasich was the lead singer of what band? cars. What was Gary Newton's biggest selling song? Cars. Who was the all-time leading scorer in Notre Dame basketball history? Car. That's right, Austin Carr. Anything you'd like to add? Cars, cars, cars. 57 Chevy. That's Auto Smarts, Friday afternoons at 106 on 970 WATH and 97.1 FM. Cars. Cars, cars, cars. in our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio AM 970 and 97.1 FM W-A-T-H FM
3: folks and um beautiful sunshine this morning popping in and out and of course the temperature 40 degrees we're getting a lot of ice melt I actually had my first fall this morning right outside the station doorway one elbow's a little bit sore but I promptly got a sold out and fixed that spot so that it doesn't happen to someone else arriving at work this morning. We've got a special edition today. Uh, Jen Miller uh, is going to be our guest this morning. Jen is the, um, I'm going to call it the president of the Ohio League of Women Voters. uh, um, Let me get my buttons all right. Jen, is that an accurate description?
2: That's close, Dave. I'm the executive director.
3: Executive director. Okay. So there's also someone who serves as the president, right?
2: Of the board. Yep. Yep. She yep. is based out of Kent. We have volunteers from a volunteer board that's very hardworking. We actually have a board member from Athens. Um, you're down your way,
3: Debbie Schmieding. But, um, yep. I know We're her. Board members sure. from across the state. Yeah. Well, um, so the board is how large? Is it, oh, uh, goodness, is Dave, it you're me with, with complicated or?
2: questions about numbers. Oh, no, no, that would, that would be too big of a board for, okay. to have one, uh, 88 board number. So it it's, hangs out around 15 or so, and um, it's we have folks from across the state.
3: Now, you know, when I look at the, the concept of uh, I'm going to get all felled up, I know I am, we're, we're going to be going back and forth in time, but let's talk about right now. All 50 states have a League of Women Voters presence. And then yeah. I saw a sub-number sub number saying, which includes 700 communities. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Now, um, you know, which means there's some communities that don't have it, right?
2: Yeah, that's true, because... You know, we're a volunteer model. We come right out of the suffrage movement that was all volunteers making up, you know, know, working to get women the right to vote. And then from there, volunteers decided to educate uh, women voters, these these new voters um, who had never been into the voting booth, right? And so those were all volunteers. And at the local level... It's it's all volunteers running things, um, and and some states don't even have paid staff at all. So, um, it, it, what you what I can say about the league that's great is that we are really powered by our people. Um, we have thousands of volunteers in Ohio. Uh, serving voters, getting them registered, doing candidate forums, running our our voter guide, which we are known for nationally, but actually started in Ohio. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Um, So we are all about the people.
3: Well, let's talk a little bit about you. Okay, so Uh uh, you're in Ohio and through and through, right?
2: Yes, I am. uh,
3: where, where, Where were you raised?
2: I was raised in north-central Ohio, just north of Mansfield in a little town called Shelby.
3: Oh, I know it. It's
2: somewhat, yeah, it feels a little similar to kind of southeastern Ohio just because so many of the residents came up from Appalachia, you know, mostly West Virginia, from the mines Mm. um, and then settled there uh, because there was a factory.
3: Now, your parents, what were their backgrounds?
2: Oh, well, my, I love talking about my parents. My father was actually a um, was a master baker, which means he actually had a degree in baking. And um, he grew up in generations of bakers. And um, my mom was you a know, baker- as a baker, did he have yeah. a,
3: his own independent shop, or did he work for yes. a larger organization? Well, he did both. Okay. He did
2: both. Um, so he, uh, he definitely did both. When he first graduated, he... Uh, the baking school was in Detroit at that time, and he worked in a large kind of baking factory. Um, but then we uh, owned our own bakery in Shelby for, you know, 30 years or so. Um, that was a bakery and a diner, and my mom was the cake decorator, and she had a, an associate's degree in accounting, so she also did the books.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, now, what was, and what was the up? go-to
3: item in Shelby that everybody Oh, asked
2: my goodness. Well, everyone loved the donuts, like I still hear uh-huh. everyone um, telling how much they miss the donuts, and I got to tell you, I am a donut snob, it's hard to find a donut that would compete to ours, um, but yeah, I mean, we had um, great breakfast, um, and we did lunch, we were open basically from, oh, it kind of depended, five or six in the morning, depending on the year, um, through five o'clock at night.
3: Yeah. And, and and did you have a role in that, um, uh, mm-hmm. pun intended, mm-hmm. role? Um, did you have a role in yes. that, that operation?
2: That was a good pun. Uh, yes, I sure did. I was the baby of the family. And so, um, but it was, we're, we were a team. We worked together, so... When I was little, I, you know, the first job I had was just filling up the salt and pepper shakers Mm -hmm. and the napkin (laughs) containers. Uh, Um, But by the time I was in, uh, you know, like probably seven or eight, I was um, helping at the bake case or actually um, checking people out. I could, I could operate the cash register.
3: Right. Right. Well, um, Um, great background. And I think, you know, any (laughs) small business uh, uh, teaches you so much that uh, you don't get exposed to if you're just a part of a larger organization. So that's right, kind of neat. That's true. Well, um, let's see, brothers and sisters?
2: Yeah, I have a, I have an older sister who's a rock star, who's been a teacher her whole life and, and won awards for that, and now she teaches for um, Bowling Green. I have um, a sister who lives still near my town of Shelby, um who is an accountant, mm-hmm. and I um, have a brother who passed away when we were kids. So yep, but and, and I have eleven nieces and nephews, and um, so we almost got to a baker's dozen for so my parents, but we a little
3: short. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Um, uh, we have eight grandchildren, and uh, but they're all spread out. And this COVID thing has yeah. just wreaked, wreaked havoc, as you know. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. listen, um, okay, so professionally, as you've grown, what, what, what became your focus?
2: Uh,
3: well, you know, I think that my parents were,
2: to actually go back to my parents, I kind of feel like they were community leaders in their own way. It was kind of the community gathering spot, and sure. my parents were super nonpartisan. They wouldn't actually say who they were going to vote for or what party they were affiliated with, but they did often talk about the issues that were affecting the community and especially children. And so I think that I take that kind of commitment to dialogue and being a, you know, kind of a community space or community leader to this work, where what I really want is for the general public to uh, participate in government. I think government functions better when we're all voting, we're all advocating Um, And so, um, to me, that's just a great passion. You know, I want, you know, I I may not always agree with what an elected official decides to do or what the government, ultimate government decision is, but if I'm participating in the process and the process is working, um, then I can still feel good about that result. And so, um, that's a little bit about why I do what I do.
3: I've been elected to public office five times and um city council president here in athens uh is one of those postings um held that twice i think um but at large city council and then there was something else and for the life of me i can't remember this morning um
2: (laughs) well it is early yeah
3: (laughs) but i should be awake at this hour i do this show every day for 40 years
2: I was trying to give you a graceful
3: out. Well, I, I I should have taken it and just dropped it. But anyway, um, so the point is, uh, the League of Women Voters has always been an important part of our community, and um, I, I know a, a good friend of mine, J- Ellsworth Holden, was a member, Ooh. and um, and I thought, wait a minute, he's a male. And then I came to realize, this is years ago, mind you, um, that uh, males could be members too. And in fact, I guess in 1973 that became a possibility. Um, so I I can't remember if I'm a member or not, but I've been at uh, different debates that you've hosted and participated in, uh, both as a candidate as well as as a media person, a news person. Um, I just think uh, everything, when I think of the League of Women Voters, I just think of a very classy, per, uh, great organization. Now, you know, times have been tough lately. Yeah. And and I mean politically. Um, how have you all managed to uh, remain above the ugliness, if, if hmm. you will allow me to use yeah. that term.
2: Well, I think that's really, a, I think it's a fair term and it's a good question. Here's the thing, we have one North Star, we have one thing that we align around, and that's the voter. And it doesn't matter if the voter is a member or not, if they're young or old or black or white or where they live or how they vote or what they believe, that's our North Star. Our North Star is, you know, is the system working for voters? Is the system secure? Does it make sense? Is it accessible? Do they have, does the voter have the information they need to make the decisions about how to vote? And then do they have the information they need to then go communicate to those elected officials? And so I think that it's hard for some to imagine in such a partisan world that folks could still be non-partisan. But what that means is we leave our personal opinions at the door when we join together as an organization to meet our mission, which is to serve every voter. And part of serving every voter then means thinking about the unique needs of those voters, whether it's, you know, an elderly person who is concerned about COVID or someone who doesn't live close to the early vote center, which clearly is going to be an issue in in rural areas, um, potentially, um, Someone who has a disability, does that machine actually work for them so that they can vote? Mm. Um, all of those things are the things we're thinking about. Um, and the way I like to look at it is our, our hardworking elections officials and our experts on how the system operates. We are experts on how voters interact with that system. And so we really consider ourselves servants. And when you think of yourself as of being of service to every voter. It's actually pretty easy to set aside any sort of partisan problems <laughs> that you might, um, you know, that might be existing in the world. It's pretty, it's pretty easy to kind of step away from that and just think strategically about what voters need.
3: Folks, our guest this morning is Jen Miller. She is the executive director of the Ohio league of women voters. Now, uh, Put a number to that. How many members are there in the state, roughly?
2: Yeah, that's interesting. I our dues paying members, um, it's over three thousand. And one of the things that's interesting is all of those members end up coming to an event or volunteering. So that that's impressive in itself. But then we have thousands, if not millions, of fans. Last year we have believe we reached about a million Ohioans with nonpartisan voting information. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the one thing I would say is, you know, all the folks that love the League that aren't a member, it would be great to have you <laughs> join.
3: Sure. Now, has the League of Women Voters ever been known to endorse a candidate? Never. Have they ever been inclined to say, this proposition that's being put before you is good, and we support it.
2: Yeah, so this is an interesting thing. So um, we, in our voter guide, which is the main way that most people know us, and that's online at vote411.org, but you also um, can check out the Athens League for the voter guide. But in the voter guide, um, we just say what proponents and opponents of ballot issues are saying, and we just, we do not, even when it's our own. So you may remember we were partial architects of the 2015 and 2018 redistricting reforms. Right. So we worked to get those on the ballot and passed. right? And even then, in our voter guide, it just had the pros and cons. With that said, though, we do take, the board does take stances. Those are, per, those are technically just for our members to know where we stand. Um, But, of course, that gets out farther. But there is this kind of bifurcation in terms of um, we might stay neutral, which is more often than not we stay neutral, but we might um, endorse um, an initiative or oppose an initiative. Um, And that is really a communication for our members and our local leagues if our local leagues want to work on that issue. But the voter guide itself, we'll never tell you which way to vote, even when it's our own, which I think goes to that heart of thinking about how to serve the voters. Um, and we've decided that our voter guide should never have those opinions in it.
3: Now, um, you started to mention, um, boundaries and, and, oh, what would you call it? Congressional maps and territory and all of that. Um, Folks, uh, you may not realize that if someone's the congressman from the 15th district or something like that, um, the bad, the boundaries of that district can change, and they change somewhat often. Um, how is the, Explain to our voters, I'm sorry, explain to our audience um, yeah. how that's done and on what frequency and so on and so forth.
2: Well, I hope all of your audience are voters or future voters. Um, and so yeah, every 10 years after the census, we, re so the first thing that happens with Congress is a reapportionment. So they look at the total population of the entire United States and then determine how many seats every state will have for Congress. Um, we expect to go from 16 to 15, but we'll know that in April, but then we get that census data. And we make new maps because obviously people move, people pass away. There's big economic movements and changes. So right. the idea is that every 10 years we count every person and then we make new maps for both Congress and the Ohio General Assembly. Now there's, um, there's, and four, there's 465
3: now. Yeah. Um, congressmen, right?
2: Sounds right. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't it's okay. I think it is. I sometimes get nervous about numbers uh, no when worry. they're not in we're, front of me and it's early in the morning. We're only listening.
3: <laughs> you know, there's only a couple thousand people listening.
2: Um, no
4: pressure.
3: Yeah. So uh, I, there's 465 congressional seats. Now, what that seat's territory is um you know, has to be defined every 10 years as they redo all of this stuff. And it can change a little bit, and rarely does it change a lot. But um, it, it, it is tweaked a little bit. And, oh, are you uh, talking
2: about the districts or yeah. the population?
3: Well, both.
2: Well, actually, I would say Congressional D- District 15 changed a lot from from 10 from the previous decade to the one that we are we just finishing up. So um, originally, Congressional District 15, from you know, the two 20, 2000 to 2010 era, um, or 2001 to 2011 era, um, was only three counties. It was actually really Central Ohio-focused only, and with swing back and forth between Republican and Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now 13 counties. Um, a very sprawling, long district with massive differences in um, the economic drivers of various communities, the educational needs, even things like infrastructure. If you think about counties in in in, in southeast Ohio that don't have maybe transportation or broadband, and then it also includes Franklin County, you know, um, that has is very different. So. I would argue that it changes a lot. Um, That's actually why we went to the people and really worked to get reforms in place. Because what I'm talking about, Dave, is is partisan gerrymandering. It is completely human for if your party is in control, your team is in control of the map to try to um, solidify that control. But the problem is that's not good for voters, and over the years, our maps have gotten more and more and more manipulated, really rigged, to have one party um, really strengthened. You should know that the League fought partisan gerrymandering when Democrats were the map makers, and we fought partisan gerrymandering now that Republicans are. And the reason is because the manipulation of these districts to guarantee outcomes means that our voices as voters don't matter as much. If a if a lawmaker makes it into office and then realizes that they're absolutely going to win their seat again, they don't necessarily... They take your phone call, but they don't necessarily have to take what we say to heart. Um, but it also has a lot of other representational challenges if you think about how does a congressperson with such a weirdly shaped sprawling district like Congressional District 15 really represent all the economic um, and personal needs of very disparate communities. Um, and so more compact districts um, like the original 15 was far would be far easier for a congressperson to really understand the needs of voters and represent them better.
3: You are the National executive director. Now, um, and and I'm not trying to disparage any place, but where are a few ticklish areas nationally that um, cause people in your position to scratch their head a little bit?
2: Hmm. Well, and so I'm the state director, and what I would say is, well, there's all kinds of things. I mean. First off, we I'm want I'm sorry, I, I
3: did yeah, miss, yeah, the, yeah, I, I overstated yeah, your okay. thing. okay.
2: That's okay. I mean, we, um, well, here's the thing. One of the challenges for us is that, um, and it's a, it's a positive, but there are challenges to it in many ways, is that all 88 boards of elections do things slightly differently.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And so when you're someone like me, and so let's say we're trying to figure out disability access, some of that, can be, some of that is, is directed by the Secretary of State in terms of how that will work or by federal law in terms of how that will work. But there's also a lot of variables with each of the counties, and we want to be able to, you know, make sure that voters with disabilities in every county have what they need, right? And things like that can be a little challenging, Um, just to really be interacting with each of the 88 counties. Every county board of elections does things great. Every county board of elections has things that they can do better. And that decentralized system is positive in many, many ways. Um, But there are some challenges when we're trying to advocate for, you know, um, entire swaths of people that we know have unique needs.
3: So when a divisive proposal or candidate arises, and we have had a couple lately, how do you handle it?
2: Yeah, that's interesting. So first off, what I would say is this. We try to be, some of this we stay out of the fray, right? Because we're not going to endorse a candidate. Um, There are times that there's lines in the sand where we feel like we need to, you know, really say, you no, know, absolutely we disagree. Um, but we stick to our mission and we stick to our positions. So everything we um, advocate for actually has to be thoroughly studied. Those studies um, can take years. And then our members actually vote on them. Um, every two years we vote on our positions on things um, as a membership body. Uh, so it's not Jen Miller calling these shots it's not even the board calling these shots. It's literally a truly democratic organization that can ground us in, 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 in and we're a hundred years old, right? And part of our strength is that we have figured out systems of, of making sure our members have their voices heard that we collectively drive this organization. Um, you know, this year, this past year, the way we handled, for example, concerns about election integrity or if votes were being stolen was just to try to, to educate the public on and work with boards of elections and elections officials to do this, but educate all the ways that we have um, safety mechanisms in place to protect every ballot and every vote. Um, and so that's kind of the way we do it, Dave, is we don't necessarily... Um, call out individuals. We just talk about the issues themselves and try to help the general public better understand those issues.
3: Now, you know, when you look at your mission statement, actually, they call it mission, vision, and value. Um, mm-hmm. You know, number one, mission: empowering voters, defending democracy. Yep, uh, that's godmother and apple pie. Um, who could possibly argue against that? Vision. We envision a democracy where every person has the desire, the right, the knowledge, and the confidence to participate. Well, again, that's pretty lofty stuff and seems like basic 101, but that's sometimes harder to accomplish than one realizes. Um, how long have you been in this role?
2: Couple years.
3: What have you learned in the couple years to cause these things to be effectuated as opposed to simply rhetoric?
2: Mm. oh my goodness, I love my job because of all the people I get to work with. And what I can say to you is that it's not rhetoric, that if there are individuals who really have a partisan um, desire, they get really they're unhappy <laughs> working yeah. inside this organization. Right. So what I can say is what I've learned is, you know, my organization is made up of rock stars who love democracy and love Ohio and love voting and genuinely with all of their heart, want every person to be able to vote. And so I guess what I could say is it's not rhetoric because I know the individuals doing the work and I know how hard we work um, and how tireless we are. And, uh, and, and so I can just say that, and I also just think like I get the, the benefit of the longevity, the long view of seeing, for example, you know, the writings from when we were fighting gerrymandering in the '70s when Democrats held the pen and were were kind of manipulating the map, right? And and that writing, in terms of the concerns for voters, um, is the same as it is today. So I guess what I would say is it's not rhetoric at all. It's, it's a deep passion and a deep commitment. And, again, like, yes, we have a mission to serve, you know, but, but I think the North Star, like what's our true north? How do we align ourselves? What's, at the end of the day, what is the question we ask ourselves? And that question is, what do voters need and how will we serve them? And that's just not rhetoric at all.
3: This last item under mission, vision, and value. We believe in the power of women to create a more perfect democracy. Um, Yeah. Bringing the female gender to it. Um, Mercy, it's good in marriages, it's good in families, it's good in... (laughs) Why do you think... It didn't exist all along. Yeah, you know, I think that's really
2: interesting. Um, I don't know, except let me just say this. we, You're right, we have male members, too, and in fact male leaders. We have a male leader on our board right now. Obviously, Ellsworth is a long male leader in Athens. Um, so, you know, anyone can be a member and anyone can be a volunteer. But I think what that is flagging is to remember our history, which is that the League of Women Voters of Ohio comes out of the Ohio Women. We were the Ohio Women's Suffrage Association. And then as women were getting the right to vote, we wanted to make sure women had the tools they needed to vote. And let's keep in mind that at that moment in time, the only voters in the household were men, and they might not have wanted their wives, their sisters, their daughters, their nieces to vote. And so we really felt like we needed to have women learning the system to teach other women how to vote, and and you know, and that really is the logistics at that time, right? Like really, like this is the ballot that you're going to get, and here's where you go, and here's the time frame, and all those kinds of things. Today, I think what it means is, you know, we still have dismal rates of women in elected office, um, and you know, and we're fifty. We're, percent of the population, but at best, we get to about a third of held seats. And so I think some of this is about really making sure we claim a space for women to participate in politics and that we make sure that women's voices are um, being heard as voters, as advocates, And so I think it has, today I think what we're speaking to is that really those gender gaps um, that unfortunately still exist.
3: Yeah. Um, I think I grabbed a phone line to, uh, someone was calling in to ask a question, Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure I did it right. So let's see, caller, do we have somebody? Yes, you do. Please uh, ask your question. I appreciate today's show,
5: and I wanted to say I appreciate when you guys, when the League of Women Voters gals, mostly, I guess, uh, but you're mm-hmm. glad to hear guys can be on it, too. Maybe you need to take the word women out of it.
3: <laughs> well. mm.
5: Anyway, uh, I appreciate when you people bring the uh, challengers together for a debate as to what there's, uh, what's that thing called when you hold uh, meetings? The forums, yeah, yeah. The forums, a different thing? And I also appreciate your voters' guides. I think they're invaluable, and I always find that I learn a lot by reading them. But I was very disappointed this past fall when Republicans wouldn't respond to the local voters' guide. There was all this empty space on the Republican side. Is there any way you can encourage or discourage them not to be participants? Yeah,
2: that's a great question. Thank you, first off, for your kind words. Um, It's nice to hear your voice. And you're completely right. I mean, at the end of the day, we want Republicans and Democrats and Independents to participate in the voter guide um, and in the questionnaire. We are absolutely disappointed when candidates.
3: Okay. I know. I'm just going to mess this up. Help me out here. I just dropped everybody. I was just trying to drop our caller in. So let's dial her number. Okay.
6: again. Yep. Jen's still there. And, um, you have pick.
3: Jen there right now? Um, let's see if
6: she's on. Jen, no. Nope. Okay. Let's call her back.
3: Yeah. So let's see here. There's, um, there it is. Effect. Okay. Live radio, folks. Ain't it fun. We used to be able to answer and delete uh, callers in without affecting the principal. Hey, Jen,
6: it's Scott Daly. Just calling you back here to get you hooked up uh, again on uh, Party Line with Dave. So we'll get you back on.
3: Okay, so we should be all set. Jen, you there again?
6: Yeah, I sure okay, am. Okay,
3: I, I pushed the wrong button, and its uh, <laughs> you'd think after hosting this show for 43 years, <laughs> I would not make mistakes, but I do.
2: That's okay. Well, I was just going to say the one thing that every voter should do is if your candidate is not showing up to forums or is not answering the questionnaires, you should tell them that you want them to do that. You know, And I think the part of it is that, again, there's like a piece of, voters can also need to hold these folks accountable when they don't want to participate in these things. Here's the thing about candidate forums that I think is super important. It's unlike a campaign stock. This is the chance for voters to see how a candidate really answers questions when they aren't when they're not curating and controlling every aspect of the event. It helps us know A little bit more about that person's character and style and views when it's a neutral setting. Um, I think the same thing about the Candidate Guide. Um, We'll continue to work on this um, but also things like gerrymandering directly impact this, right? So if again you are guaranteed to win your seat Um, because it's been rigged for one party or the other, and your party is the one that's going to hold that seat, Mm -hmm. then you don't have to worry about answering questions to voters when you're on the campaign trail. You You can literally just stay with inside your comfort zone. And so I think part of this is we need to really defend democracy itself and its systems to make them more fair. But I also think voters have a role to play. And, sh- and sharing their, you know, you don't have to be mean about it, but just sharing their unhappiness, that they weren't willing to participate in these more public forums.
3: This uh, year has been highly unusual in so many ways. Um, we had a congressional, I'm sorry, we had a presidential race that was just extraordinarily odd. Um, we had a... Um, The COVID situation where people were concerned about proximity and voting and so on and so forth. We have, um, I, I guess what I'm coming down to is there may be some concern about, oh, What would you call it? What what, what can we do? What what have we learned in 2020 about voting access? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, what works well and can be built upon and enhanced? What doesn't and should be sort of let fall away? Yeah. That sort of thing.
2: Well, so first off, the great news is that Ohio has one of the most secure election systems in the country. I, I trust every state's election system, but I know ours is very great. So we should just know that that's one thing we have. Um, you know, when you vote, you can trust it's going to count and you can trust the the totals. Um, so some of the things we've learned is that we had record numbers of folks, early voting and absentee voting. We think some of that will continue. So some things like only one early vote center per county is not helpful. You know that means that if you are in the county seat, you know, or you live close to that early vote center, you you have good access. But the rest of us don't. Um, the same with one dropbox per county that again is the county seat. So the farther away you live from the early vote center and dropbox, the less likely you are to use those systems. And if you think about a place like Athens County, where you know there's not necessarily transit that that's super easy from one part of the county to another, um, it can be very arduous to, you know, if you don't drive or you're a senior and, and you're not comfortable driving anymore or, you know, those kinds of things. And so that would be one area. You know, another thing about our absentee voting system, which is great, and the league supported it um, when we were um, getting that adopted here in Ohio, it's, it's you know, well over 10 years old, which is great um, because it means it's well seasoned but here's the thing when we created our absentee voting system the U.S. mail service was a very different beast and so was technology so what we see now is um, it's kind of a little bit it needs an upgrade right so now we're, all, we're more digitally connected not all of us and we need to work on broadband for everyone But but we're more digitally connected and our mail service can be slower and so online absentee requests is just the next common sense thing. You know, we've had a lot of states that um, have not had absentee voting as long, but they've immediately created these online absentee requests. In fact, I think it was a con- uh, we had an elections official from Kentucky tell us that online absentee requests was was such a game changer for them because it's easier for the voter to get online and fill it out than have to get a stamp and wait for the postal person to come and those things. So it's easier for the voter, but it's also a lot easier for elections officials because that's a digital file rather than having to enter manually that entire request into their um, digital files, right? Um, So those are just a couple examples of things that we need to do. The great thing about multiple early vote centers per county and um, online absentee requests is actually the Secretary of State LaRose the League, and the Ohio Associations of Elections Officials, which are representatives from the boards of elections, all agree on those. Um, So we're hoping that we can get the General Assembly to make those critical
3: updates. Um, I I know you really like your job. I'm just curious uh, to know you a little more as a person. Uh, What other jobs have you held that really appealed to you?
2: (laughs) Um, I loved being a camp counselor, (laughs) getting kids out in the woods. Um, I loved, for a while, I worked for the city of Columbus, and I produced outdoor concerts and festivals. And I loved that, Um, just getting people outdoors and and, um, um, engaging in the arts. Um, I actually worked for Sierra Club for a long time, Mm -hmm. working on energy efficiency and and renewable energy and clean water. Um, That was a hard job because, um, again, I think because democracy is so um, is, is, is struggling both because of dark money and gerrymandering, that things that make common sense to all of us, like clean water, um, we're sometimes really hard to move forward.
3: Well, with redistricting planning uh, focused by the league, um, how, how are you trying to influence that that's done more fairly?
2: Yeah, that's great. So first off, we do have reforms that the voters voted on, um, in 2015, that would, would help curb partisan gerrymandering for the Ohio general assembly. So state Senate and state house. Um, and then in 2018 to kind of put some guardrails around how much partisanship can, you know, go into the congressional map making. Um, but now we're doing things like we have a speakers bureau. So, and if there are community groups that want to hear more about redistricting, just the basics, we have volunteers that are trained up to, to give talks. Um, we're going to be doing community mapping. So, actually, folks in Athens County could decide, could actually kind of map their district. You know, if you had a group of folks that wanted to get together and say, this is what we think Congressional 15 should look like, or this is what we think our state. House seat should look like. Um, we are, uh, and then we, of course, will be doing a lot of direct advocacy when the map making starts, and we will be encouraging voters to um, contact their lawmakers or um, secretary of state, the governor, various folks, asking for fair maps and advocating for fair maps.
3: Well, we've got about eight minutes left. What do you think I've left out that you'd like to make sure we <laughs> covered? Well, I
2: don't know. I mean, this has been a really fun conversation. Clearly, I could t- talk about democracy for 50 years. You know, so like a one-hour show or never. there's always going to be things we leave out, Dave. Yeah. But I'll say this. I, I think what's most important for everyone is democracy is a participatory sport. And if you're the kind of person that really wants democracy to work for everyone, um, and you're not as much into the party stuff, if you're really a party person, then it makes total sense that you engage in the party system as a volunteer. But
3: well, for all the
2: rest of you, two of
3: us in this uh, two of us, us in volunteers. this studio yeah. are party people, yeah. but we're not. Oh, yeah, but it's not the kind of party you're talking about.
2: Oh <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'm a party person too. I like to dance. Seeing yeah. myself, so, um, sure. but I'm just saying, like you know, look, we need the more capacity the league has, the better we can work to serve voters and can can um, defend this democracy through things like trying to get fair maps. And so, you know, we want um, a diversity of voices and skill sets in our own organization. Um, and so, please become a member. Please become a volunteer. Um, and if that's too much for you, you know, at least you know. You know, follow us on social media so you can know what's going on because at the end of the day we can't fix anything it's what, our job is to really be the conduit or the connector to help individuals um, find ways to participate in our democracy and so we need everyone to, to join us in that work
3: okay how about personal goals what, what, what remains in your life you don't sound like an older person to me You you probably have some future things you would love to do. Um, What might they be?
2: Well, right now, I would just love to hug all my family members and friends.
3: Oh yeah, I (laughs) I
2: would love just to give the start a hug train with even people I don't know. I'm just tired of not getting hugs and giving them. Right? So, um, but I've
3: got eight grandchildren, and you know, (laughs) there's been nothing for over a year.
2: I know it's sad. Um, look, I just want to, I just want to help bring a new generation of leaders and voters, um, and I think that stays the same throughout my, my decades of, of work and, and living left, God willing. So, you know, I, um, I just I just want to feel like I have made an impact and 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 on on people too not just individuals too um as well as hopefully our our democracy here in ohio um and i want to have fun right i want to travel i want to um just enjoy the world as
3: Jen, well yeah and let me ask you I, I i'm sorry to bring this up at the end of the meeting um are you married
6: i am not okay
3: um <laughs> I was just curious what uh, profession your husband might be in, but that's that's a moot question then. Well, um, yeah, I
2: mean, I, so I just I I do have an ex-husband who is still a very 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 dear friend of mine, and he was a state house reporter for a long time, uh-huh. and so um, he does. He definitely taught me a lot, and there are times I still pick his brain. So, um, but I have a I have a community of friends and family who are all rock stars and, and so I'm 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 quite blessed in having many people help me in this work.
3: And today you live in what community?
2: I live in Columbus.
3: Okay, what so, part? Yeah. I'm from Worthington.
2: Oh yeah. So I live kind of on the north side. Um I live right on a park called Autobahn Park um, oh, yeah. on the north side oh, in yeah. the Linden area. Yep.
3: Okay. Well, it just helps me uh, stereotype a little bit. (laughs) Okay. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure having you on the air. Please feel free to reach out to us if there's certain concerns that you'd like to express again. Uh, We've been doing this show for almost 50 years. Uh, I've been involved with it 43, I think. Um, And, uh, you know, we, we... We do it every Monday through Friday. Sometimes it's open topics. Sometimes it's um, a guest. In fact, let's see who do we have tomorrow. We've got uh, um, the Southeast Ohio Vice President of Ohio Jobs. Oh, good. And um, well, look,
2: it's been really fun, Dave. Uh, You know, I'm always open to these conversations, and I love it when. Folks call in, especially with their voter que- their voting questions, yeah. and so let's absolutely do this again.
3: Well, we'll figure out what we did wrong today, and then i will be better the <laughs> next time. Because we did try to take a caller; it just got fouled up. I think it was me, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> All right, Jim Miller, thank you for joining us this morning. She is the director of the Ohio League of Women Voters, and uh, how many members? Over 3,000, but we need more. If you're not a member, join today. And once again, we would add that uh, since 1973, uh, men uh, may be members as well. And there's so many good um, debates and and, um, forums, candidate forums, and things like that that they do. Um, It's another great way of being well-informed. All right, Jen, thank you. You take care. Okay. Bye-bye. 970 WETH party line on,
6: um, let's see, what's today? Tuesday, right? Tuesday. Tuesday edition. Scott's here, too. Yep. Bobcat basketball this afternoon on Power 105, the flagship station. Who are we playing? Playing in the Convocations Center. Not not where, who? Oh, we're playing the Akron Zips, coached by former Ohio coach John Gross. Right. They are having a terrific year this year. Pre-game at 1.30. John Gross
3: is a quality guy.
6: Yes, he is. I enjoyed working with John.
3: And uh, mercy, I'm having a a, a brain something rather here. Our coach today is
6: Jeff Bowles. Oh yes, oh yes, another
3: quality guy.
6: Yeah. Then uh, Bobcat basketball again Thursday. These are two makeup games this week. Today and Thursday. Uh, tip uh, tip off at two o'clock both days, pregame at one thirty both days, and same thing for uh, Saturday as a regularly scheduled game. So, three good games coming up this week. All home games in the Convocation Center that we will not be at, but Power 105 will be. Well, that, that the public isn't able
3: to attend yet. Correct. Is what you're trying to say, but our stations will be, and we'll be bri- bringing you the play-by-play. Correct. Okay, and the same is true for Buckeyes and Blue Jackets, and the list goes on and on. We're very proud to have these affiliations with so many important regional sporting organizations.
6: Yeah, the Blue Jays have announced they're going to start letting a few fans in uh, beginning, uh, I think, March. So certain percentage of the capacity. So slowly edging back in inching back in
3: Jim Kurtz is going to start appearing a little more often on uh, our airwaves you may recall that he is a an usher at Nationwide Arena who I met by accident oh, some yeah. years ago yep I remember and uh, he's mm-hmm. um, a frequent writer of opinion uh, sports opinions at the uh, with the Columbus Dispatch okay we're out in our 71st year of service
1: to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM.
4: W-A-T-H-F-N.
1: This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. i As yes, More than a month has gone by... <laughs>
0: This morning, two Senate committees are kicking off the first hearing into police response to the deadly riots that rocked the U.S. Capitol. Correspondent Cammie McCormick. Three of those scheduled to testify resigned under pressure after the attack, including the former head of the Capitol Police. For some, it will be the first time they've spoken publicly about it. Lawmakers will want to know how much information they had on the possibility of violence and why the Capitol Police were so ill-prepared. The rioters easily smashed through security barriers. More than 200 have been arrested. Two days of contentious Senate hearings are beginning for President Biden's pick for health secretary. Becerra defended California's disastrous lockdown. A conservative think tank has been running ads accusing California Attorney General Javier Becerra of playing pandemic politics. And he's not the only nominee facing opposition. CBS's Nicole Killian. Your attendance nomination could be in serious jeopardy for White House budget director after Democrat Joe Manchin and a handful of moderate Republicans came out against her a two of confirmation hearings for attorney general nominee merrick garland today's word from dr anthony fauci could provide hope for people sick of being stuck at home and socially distanced he tells cnn you're going to be hearing more of the recommendations
1: of how you can relax the stringency of some of the things particularly when you're dealing with something like your